So last week, Claire, you challenged me to be in a better mood than I was on how's last that, week's pod. How's that working out? Yeah, not great. Not great. Oh, great. This is a great start to uh, my evening. Thanks. Yeah, it's been tough. There have been highs and there have been some very, very low lows. I would like to cheer you up and say that we do have some conversations and some comments Mm. which will make you think that there's always someone worse off than you. (laughs) Really? I wonder who you could be talking about. Yeah, exactly. Well, on the podcast today, should you be worried if your team is in a slump right now? Seems highly appropriate if you're a (laughs) Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Where did you get the inspiration for that, Claire? I really wonder. (laughs) And also, the and this is possibly what you were alluding to just then, what the hell is happening at Edmonton? Because at the moment, the only way I'm getting through being an NHL fan or a Leafs fan is to just check out the Oilers every now and again and go, wow, at least I'm not them. We'll hear from Tom. Remember him? He was on like pod number two or something like that. He's the Oilers fan that we had on. Um, we've had a brief chat with him um, over Twitter and we'll get his thoughts on the latest comings and goings, or should I just say goings, at the Oilers. <laughs> and is age just a number? The reason we say that is because... There was a 30-year-old who made his rookie for the NHL. We'll have all the details of who that is and, some, of course, some fantastic trivia that always comes with Statgate, that is, this beautiful sport called NHL. Well, I'm really pleased that we're going to be speaking to a Boston fan on this week's podcast. Oh, we didn't even really tell people that, did we? That's our fan this week. Yeah, our fan this week is a Boston fan who I'm sure can't wait to get on and chat all things Leafs, probably. Probably doesn't even want to talk about Boston. I love that, though. Do you know, there's, there are the rivalry for ice hockey kind of comes and goes a little bit more, doesn't it, over mm. seasons? It's not what it used to be. Um, the big Luddites fighting each other and the goons of the goons and all this. Um, It ends up kind of changing from season to season. People say like LA Kings used to be the team that they hated and now it's just laughable. But the Boston and Toronto rivalry has always been and I feel like it always will. Well, for me, as a relatively new Leafs fan, as in, you know, been following them for probably the last, well, seriously, since about 2012, Boston has been the rival for me. Now, I don't remember the kind of the series against Montreal that they used to have and all of those things. And and the, there's a bit with the Red Wings with Babcock, although that's kind of fallen away now since the Red Wings have gone on a downturn. So for me, the Boston-Toronto rivalry is the one. Mm. And I've got a theory. I've got a theory, which we might come on to a little bit later, as to why the Leafs might be in their slump. And it involves Boston. Okay. Well... If you're joining uh, us on this podcast, welcome. We are NHL fans from afar. He's Joel and I'm Claire. And there are plenty of ways that we love you to interact with us. Uh, Firstly, please subscribe to this podcast or follow us if you're listening on Spotify or other things. Um, And you can also leave us a review. We're loving some of the kind messages that have been left about (laughs) us. (laughs) this week funny you're all really looking forward to the podcast this week i've had about three or four different tweets from people going oh 
Really looking forward to hearing next week. Awkward. Thanks. But Cheers. some new ways as well. One of the things that we have, um, we're in the process of setting up. Uh, you'll need to email us to, to join uh, this because we can't work out how else you can do it. No. Um, but if you email nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com, we have, uh, thanks to Michael actually, who planted the seed of an idea in our head we've created a um, slack group slack is an app it's also um, a website some of you might use it for work but it's like having a forum and um, you join to be a member it's free to join and it means that we're connecting lots of different nhl fans from afar all together you can put conversations if you're watching a game and see if someone wants to you know, have a bit of banter with you or just generally keep us up to date with things that you want to have a moan about, so all this, kind of stuff. this all started when um, you and I were watching a Leafs game and also Matt, our Dallas fan who we had on a couple of weeks ago, was also on a WhatsApp group we had left over from when he was on the pod. And um, it was just really cool. I think it was a game that was, I don't know why we were all up so late, but it was like an 11pm start and we all just watched the game live and we had this WhatsApp group going. And it it was versus Dallas, wasn't it? It was Toronto versus Dallas because yeah, it was, it was Matt's yeah. team as well. Um, and it was just really cool. Like, it was really fun. And it's something that often we miss out on as as supporters over here with the time difference. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'll be watching a hockey game and you can follow it on Twitter. Sometimes you might be watching on delay. Um, but we just thought we could set up this thing that we can also just throw some questions in there as well at you guys and find out you know just feel a little bit of what is going on and what the feelings are so it's not just two blinkered lease fans opinion on the <laughs> on the podcast each week or one definitely one blinkered lease fan anyway yeah often i think that we all have uh our friends who are kind of at different places in the world um, who are ice hockey fans and then you kind of either WhatsApp them or you text them or you tweet them or you Facebook them. So yeah. we're trying to create a bit of a forum where we can put everybody, connect everybody together a little bit better. Um, so you'll need to email us um, nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com um, and then obviously we're on Twitter as well. We still connect um, and get our hockey gossip on Twitter. Mm. And again, at NHL fans from afar, simple. Did you see that Chicago game, the Chicago Washington one? I I went back and watched the highlights. Eight five Eight, to five. Chicago, everybody. Yeah, bottom of the Eastern uh, Western Conference, I think, right now. Well, because when I watched it, they pulled Braden Holtby at, in the second, mm. and they were down. Uh, it was four one. Yeah. And then actually, there was a lot of kind of cat and mouse chasing because I think they came back 4-3 at the start of the third. Um, Taze had his sixth hat trick of his career. And I think with five minutes to go, it was 5-6 to Chicago. Interestingly, that all the goals from Caps came from their defensemen as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. And Chicago, um, yeah, second bottom of the entire NHL down there yeah. with Detroit. Joint bottom with, wow, well, my days, New Jersey, Ottawa, Chicago and Detroit are all bottom of the NHL as we stand at the moment on 43 points. Well, we're going to talk a bit about Washington Capitals later on. That's one of our subjects about should you be worried if your team is in a slump right now because with a five-game losing streak or whatever it might be at this point when we put the podcast out, they're probably beating the Leafs at this rate Hey, because they play on Wednesday night. It's do. Tuesday. Yeah, and Ovi is not playing. Is well, we we assume that Ovi's not going to play because 
he has to forfeit a game because of forfeiting his place in the All-Star and he's got to basically choose between an away game against the Leafs or a home game, mm. which he's blatantly going to pick the away exactly. game, you would think. Hey, thinking of uh, banter, I <laughs> yeah. um, I love a Marvel series, right? So right. I watch Netflix. Yeah. I've got all the Marvel series. I watch them in order. Mm-hmm. New season of The Punisher came out this week. Have you watched The Punisher? I mean, you're, gonna, you're talking to someone who has seen Iron Man and... That might be about oh, it. Jesus. Oh, I watched that one with Benedict Cumberbatch in. What was that one? What, Sherlock Holmes? No, 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 a Marvel. It wasn't that left field, a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the Marvel one. Not a film, I'm talking Doctor about Strange. Okay, Doctor okay. Strange, terrible. Have you seen that one? No. Marvel? No, it's awful. It sounds like it. I'm looking out there. Yeah, anyway, no. in The Punisher, second season, I've watched the first episode and straight away there is banter between this kid who's wearing a Detroit Red Wings jersey <laughs> and Frank, who's the main character, yeah. uh, says that he's a New York Rangers uh, fan. And the wow. Detroit kid is taking a mick out of the Rangers Oh, guy. wow. That's dating it. Yeah. I was like, wow. Rock bottom of the NHL. But hey, at least Detroit are expected. Like, that's where they should be. Like, they know they mm-hmm. should be there. And remember when we had a we had a Detroit fan on, didn't we? Um, Graham, yeah, Graham, that's right. And uh, yeah, I remember they were doing quite. They were doing okay at the time, but he was very much of the like. Was like, no, no, come on, it's fine. This will, we will be where we should be at the end, and we won't get to the playoffs. Well, it's not too bad. I think if you're in that situation where you've just written off this year. I mean, even Vancouver Canucks fans had almost written off this year as a rebuild, but then oh, occasionally they keep surprising us. They're, so. they're joint. They're joint with Colorado. Um, in a wild card spot mm. in the West, the Western Conference this year is nuts. I mean, you've got Calgary who are running away with it. You've got San Jose who have come out of nowhere. I mean, we predicted them just before Christmas that they wouldn't even get past round one of the playoffs, mm. and now they're second in the Pacific. You've got Vegas who are now turning it on. Then you've got a ten-point gap. Then down to the wild card spots where you've got Dallas and Colorado who are joint with Vancouver you've got three teams in that wildcard spot and only a point back are Anaheim I saw some crazy stat in the um, Arizona game the Toronto Arizona game where because Arizona have had all sorts of bad injuries which we covered on the podcast mm. um, last week was it last week with the Arizona I get, they, yeah. all, they all start they to do merge. start to blur don't um, they anyway we covered how bad injury luck the Arizona Coyotes have had nothing compared to Anaheim. They have lost some like 200 plus day, uh, sorry, 200 plus man games this season well, there to was injuries. The rumour whether Randy Carlisle was going to survive to the end of the season. And they're only a point out of the wildcard spot. Yeah. They're a point. But then, you know, you only have to go down to Edmonton and all of the terrible things that are going on over there, they are only three points out mm. at the time of recording this podcast. The West is crazy to see who will get into that wildcard spot. Well, that brings us to another nice point where sometimes when it's not going so great for your team, you look over the pond, over the waters, over the Route 66, whatever the... I don't even know. The other side. (laughs) To Chicago. (laughs) What am I even saying? (laughs) You look elsewhere. You look elsewhere. (laughs) You wouldn't believe that I'd work in radio, would you? No. (laughs) Um, Just to make yourself feel better. Uh, Also coming up, we're going to mention our new feature, which is Man Crush of the Week. Yeah, I've really struggled this week. In a week of so much negativity surrounding my hockey team, to to even feel anything positive about any player right now is very difficult. Mm, See, mine is Bruins related, but I'll tell you that in a bit. I know. Don't. I know. Right, let's introduce our guest. I know that he's sat there waiting 
patiently to get his introduction. It is Ross who is in the beautiful city of Coventry. How are you doing, Ross? I'm very well, thank you, on this cold evening. How are you guys? <laughs> we, we're good. I say beautiful city of Coventry because that is where I was born. Uh, some people are sent to Coventry, other people are born <laughs> in Coventry. You chose to live in Coventry. Some would question whether you're slightly mad, I have to say. Chosen, sent, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> contractually obliged well yeah pretty much well look we've we've clearly built you up to be a boston bruins fan um which we have to forgive you for a few moments but no, just, you can <laughs> just tell us your journey of how you've come to be a hockey fan and it's not just in the nhl is it you follow a few different places the sport in in many different places as well yeah growing up as a kid in nottingham i've always toyed with the panthers Going to them when I was younger, it was more of a just go with your friends. If someone of your friends' dads takes you, you go that kind of thing. Um, and I really got into it probably in my late teens. Um, pretty much when I started earning a bit of money, um, I was always a football lad. But when I started doing a bit of money, I could go to the Panthers more and more. Please um, don't tell me, Ross, you're a Forest fan as well. Uh, unfortunately, I am not. I am oh, not Notts County fan. But that's really. I don't know if that's worse. I think <laughs> no, you, no, that's fine. You I'm, should explain that. I'm so sorry. Long. I'm a Derby County fan, and I was thinking, hang on, there's no way we can have a Forest fan who's also a Bruins fan on this podcast. <laughs> that would be a bad day for you. That, that is terrible. <laughs> Literally, Ross, you're the person I never want to meet. But it's fine because you're a Notts County fan. Yeah, that is fine. Carry I, on. Sorry for. I interest. don't follow football as much anymore. NHL is my thing now. I found the Bruins. Um, Probably around 2008, I was toying with YouTube for hours, um, watching all the old highlights and that. And I found um, Chara doing the skills competition at the All-Star game <laughs> um, and just kind of fell in love with him, really. The biggest guy in the NHL made rules change because um, he's the tallest. You have to have a new stick law. Um, yeah, just kind of started following more and more. Um, and pretty much every season that's gone on since then, I've got more and more into it. Um, which is really nice, especially in 2011, obviously. Is Chara the tallest player for the NHL ever at six foot nine? I yes, I believe so. I think really? he is, isn't he? Yeah. That's um, a good stat, isn't it? And he has to have, when he first entered the league, I think um, he had to have a new rule. Well, they had to amend the rule because his stick was longer than ever anyone else's. It's crazy, isn't he it? He doesn't look like a hockey player. Like, he just doesn't... He doesn't look right when you see him on the ice until you see him in play. And yet, even though he has got an extra three feet of limbs over anybody else on that rink, he still manages to not only just keep up, but be a incredible defenseman. And not just because, obviously, if you get hit by him, you are going to feel it for about three weeks. And he's 41. <laughs> he is. human. He's the, old and tall. That's what they say. Sorry if people are over 40 <laughs> listening. <laughs> um, I read a thing, I think it was from Andrew Ferentz, one of the ex-Bruin players. Um, he now works in the NHL. Um, an interview with him saying that how um, every pre-season of the testing, Chara's number one for nearly all of it, even at his age now. Um, and he often tried to convince the coaches and that to let him play a full NHL game. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That's Let bad. me just pick up on something you, you mentioned there as well, because you said you're a Nottingham Panthers fan. I know Panthers have been quite good at kind of getting ex-NHLers to come and play at the Panthers. Anyone from the Bruins ever gone over? Um, not directly. The only Bruins player I can think of is Matt Bolesky, but he played at Blaze. Uh, that was Coventry. in the lockout. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
not that I can think of directly. There's a few that have played in the minors for the Bruins around the league, but you um, had Brian McGratton, didn't you? Um, we did, yes. Ex uh, Flames guy who came over, and I, I was, um, I went to the playoffs that year, and I met Brian McGratton um, in the tunnel. Uh, I can't remember why. Maybe, maybe Nottingham had been knocked out or something, but he wasn't. He wasn't playing. He was just chatting with fans. Yeah, he seemed like quite a nice, normal, quite a quiet guy, which I was very surprised about. Yeah, I met him once. Um, I went to when the Ice Guardians was premiering. They did a like a show and tell. He was there with um, I can't think of the lady's name who was part of it, but they did like a talk referee from the league as well. That was brilliant. That was really good insight. So take me through your routine as a Bruins fan over here in the UK. Let's talk about first watching them over here and then talk about what it was like when you went to Boston and watched them there. Do you watch late into the night? Do you watch catch up on the next day? Take me through your routine for a Boston Bruins game. Uh, it depends what works like. If I'm really busy, then I'll try and stay up and watch a period and catch the other two during the day without checking any social media. Yeah. Um, or I try and stay up and watch it all, um, cat nap when I get in from work, watch the game, and then go back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically the same as my routine, actually. Yeah. yeah um, unless it's the playoffs, and that's ridiculous. I just don't sleep, as long as we're in them. Well... Yeah, yeah I wouldn't know, Ross. I wouldn't know. It's a very short, uh, yeah, sorry about short that. experience for me. Let's not go uh, down anyway. there already. Yeah, <laughs> we'll come on to that a little bit later. Um, but you also then went to Boston. In fact, I think you've been twice, haven't you? Yeah, uh, that's right. Plans go back in November this time, uh, this year as well. Are you? Yeah. So you've been to TD Garden, seen the Bruins. Um, I, I went to Boston not long ago. Didn't get well. Went into TD Garden, but not to watch a game. Okay. What is it like? What was it like experiencing that NHL game in person for the first time? Um, incredible. Uh, I'd recommend it for whatever team you support, um, go and do it. It's amazing. It's like, if you've ever been to a hockey game in the UK, it's just bigger and better and louder and it's more real. Um, I remember the first game I went to was against the Philly Flyers, so that was an experience in itself. Wow. Um, when was that? Uh, 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Did you yeah. get a win, more importantly? Uh, we did against the Philly Flyers, yes. Yeah. Um, the best one I've been to uh, was last, no, two years ago. It was on Black Friday, the day of Thanksgiving. Uh, and that was against the Penguins and we won that game. Um, but the intro alone on that was, that was incredible. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, they really go to town on this. And often when you're watching a game back on NHL Game Center or, or even some of the Premier Sports stuff, um, if you're not watching it live, then you miss all the glamorous shows that they put on them because I ended up watching NHL Global Series live a couple of times, the one in Helsinki, mm. and the detail mm. that they go. I mean, it, you just feel like you want to be those, one of those sad people who's just on their phone filming every second. But <laughs> you have to put your phone down and just literally watch it because no amount of filming on your phone is ever going to really do it justice. The pre-game no, shows alone, yeah. like just those pre-game light shows. I don't know what the one at the TD Garden's like, but the one at the Scotiabank Arena is just incredible. Like the light show on the ice and i know it's the case in other arenas as well like you just know you're in the nhl don't you from that moment on yeah it's, it's, it's a spectacle itself not even the game there's the stuff around it um when we were at that game specifically the it was a national game in america so it was on nbc mm. um they brought the it was a centennial year so they had um basically like a big truck with all the stuff from 
the NHL centenary. Uh, the Stanley Cup was there. Um, I got to sign the Bruin centennial plaque that every team has won, um, but it was for the NHL centenary. Um, so that was pretty cool. That's cool. And also, you have personally touched the Stanley Cup, right? I did indeed. I, I don't know how. Um, we were lining up for a photo and we were told specifically, don't touch it, don't do this. Um, and as soon as I got there, let them take the picture and that was it. I was having a go. <laughs> and you touched it. You touched the cup. The cup, the Stanley Cup. It's amazing, wow. I know. Sometimes at, um, at work, where me and Jolan have our office space not that far, they bring in the FA Cup to the BBC, like to kind of put it on display. Yeah. And under no circumstances is anybody allowed to touch that cup. Like you've got to have special gloves and everything. See, I'm slightly worried now hearing you say this, Ross, because I also have touched the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. But, and I didn't oh, think... Oh, right. Thanks. Uh, well, I, the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, obviously, is like the place to go. And I've got to fill the day somehow between Leafs games when I'm out there. <laughs> and so I've been a couple of times and... I've touched the, that cup, and now I'm wondering whether I should have done or not. I can't remember seeing any signs, but I'm now doubting whether I should have done. You know what this is making me think? It's mm. making me think of um, the song, I touched the cup and I liked <laughs> yes. it. I did, I did like it. Yeah, I liked it too, but I felt wrong because I thought, no Leafs have done this since 1967. Like, why am I even allowed in the same room as it in my Leafs jersey? <laughs> Talking of spectacles, Ross, um, mm-hmm. uh, Nottingham Panthers, last time I went to see one of their games, um, they are obviously meant to be Panthers and Cats. <laughs> but in their pre-game build-up, they had this inflatable thing where the players had to skate onto the ice through it. And uh, I remember I was at the game where it, it deflated and it just looked like a sad bear. Um, is that, has things improved in Nottingham since then? I, I haven't been for a little while, but last time I went, they struggled to get it off the ice. <laughs> it just made me laugh. Oh, God. It is also, quite aggressive. Nottingham Panthers' colours are very similar to Boston Bruins, I've got to say. Maybe that was a thing when I found uh, Chara. Is your favourite colour yellow and orange? Um, I'd say blue, but yeah, why not? Hey! <laughs> so, we should say blue, wow. Um, take us through the uh, Bruin season, because I know you guys were, you, you have struggled with injuries. I mean, we were talking to an Arizona fan last week, and those guys have been struggling. And we were talking um, in the kind of preamble about um, Anaheim Ducks, who equally, I mean, those guys are the worst off this year. They've lost something like 200-odd, uh, man games to injury this season alone you guys had a tough start lost charlie mcavoy chara spent a lot of time out um i always get them wrong but it's pasternak wasn't it he was out yeah david bergeron. was bergeron uh, out as well uh, bergeron was i don't think past i think past has played all the games so yeah far. sorry bergeron was the one you lost for at one point it looked like you might lose him for the season there was some talk about whether he'd need some like surgery and stuff which is, yeah um kind of got away, take us be- through that season you've had so far yeah, it seems it's similar to last season, really. But we had the start of the season last season was very similar to this one. We players were dropping like flies every time we seemed to get into the third period. Someone would go back and not return. Um, we we seem to have a thing with concussions. Obviously, Tuka's uh, Rask's got one uh, by the sound of it. Um, but the last two seasons alone, I think you could easily say um, Marshon's had one, Bergeron, Krejci, Bacchus. He's been suffering with them. He was in the protocol last week. 
uh, Jada Bros, Charlie McAvoy, and that's on top of other injuries they received as well. Um, it just seems to be a bit of a thing. I don't think potentially going forward it could be a problem if it carries on. This sounds like a Leafs fan moaning, but is this just because you play a tough brand of hockey that if you play a tough brand of hockey, then you're going to get injured doing it? Um, it's hard to say. I think it's the look of the draw, I think, because the Bruins, since Bruce Cassidy has been in charge, which is two full seasons, they have started to look more of a younger, quicker team, moving the puck around, activating the D on plays. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the Bruins um, writers of the, since we traded McQuaid that we've been lacking a tough guy kind of thing, which I, I somewhat agree, but I don't think, as much as I love Adam McQuaid, I don't think that was the, the issue. I think it was more of his style of play. It was a bit stay-at-home defenceman. Uh, the similar player we've got is Kevin Miller, um, but he's since Bruce Cassidy's there, he's changed his game completely. You needed um, to free up some cap space, though, with Adam McQuaid as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we, we, again, talking to cap space. The next, I think, the next two years, we've got all our young lads that are going to need contracts. Oh, um, we we know how yeah. that feels. Uh-huh. Believe me, <laughs> <you>, believe <laughs> fan. Um, but yeah, there's talk of trades at the minute. Um, I think Wayne Simmons. Um, there's heavy talk of that. That was airing its head last season before. Uh, we signed Rick Nash. No, you are not allowed Wayne Simmons because he's, he's a pretty- haunt. He's gonna, he's ah, <laughs> oh, like I've heard this now a couple of times because he was linked with Toronto because I think he's Toronto born, I think. Um, but anyway, there was a lot of links with him coming to Toronto when there was the whole toughness argument. And then now, yeah, Rick Nash uh, retires and as that's kind of freed up a spot for you guys to go and get someone. And I just, I, you can't have Wayne Simmons because. It's just it's it's tough enough as it is. You can't keep adding players like that. Can you imagine the t- two pests on the top line, Marshawn and Simmons on the second line? Oh my day. The only good thing about that is, and I don't even see how this is a good thing, is that Pasternak presumably then gets bumped to the second line. Which uh, he's he's played a little bit there, um, but he seems to fit with Marshawn and uh, Bergeron. Lovely. Oh yeah, those um, those guys. I've heard they're good. Um, yeah. For his age but, as well. I know. And I mean, he's a Pasternak, just a leaf killer. I mean, he just loves playing against the, the Maple Leafs. But so you've, you know, it's been a frustrating year with injuries, but you find yourself, um, well, as we record this podcast, in, uh, in a playoff spot. Um, mm-hmm. And although Montreal have come from nowhere and have made a real good push for the, for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, how do you feel about this season looking forward? Do you, are you looking forward to the playoffs? Do you think you guys have got enough for a run or are you maybe missing a piece or two? Um, I think I was reading a stat the other day for the Bruins that 70% of the Bruins' goals this season have come on the power play. Um, and that's starting to dry up a little bit at the minute. Um, 70%? We are, yeah. Um, Whoa. The, the, the last two seasons, the power play has been ridiculous. Um, but five on five, we really struggle for goals, it seems. Um, I think if we can keep a bit of a healthy spell going, I know I said that, and Tuke has gone down with a potential concussion. He was just starting to hit a bit of form. Um, but Halak is a great backup, almost a starter as such. Um, I think we'll get to the playoffs. I I'd like to see a run, but I don't know. that It seems like we're on the, the sophomore slump for the young guys. They were, their breaking season was last season uh, for De Bruce, uh, Donato, um, Carlo and that, um, and McAvoy. Uh, so 
it'd be nice, but I think maybe another season or two and then we'll be there or thereabouts, I'd like to think. And that's coming from a Boston Bruins fan who will probably cruise through the the first round of the playoffs or you would have assumed you just kind of waltzed through last year and knocked out some team that played in blue in the first round and and that's you just sound like it's all cool and you're not stressed out at all I think the young players it's it's nice to see like I say Bruce Cassidy's started a different system they are quicker and less big and bad um if the D seem to jump in a lot Tory Krug's a machine on power play um yeah it's just it's 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 exciting times i think so do you rate bruce cassidy then um yeah i think he seems to be in between a player's coach um and a team coach as such um when he came in it was bruins were a very defensive um not necessarily I don't know how to put it. They, they weren't slow, but they weren't particularly quick either. Um, but Bruce Cassidy is always about, his mentality is definitely get the next one, um, regardless of the score. He's always looking um, for the high, re- high risk and reward plays, it seems. Um, he, a lot of the younger guys didn't really do anything under um, Julian, um, but they've all talked very highly of Bruce Cassidy. Um, and also he was down in Providence for a while as well, which obviously all the, the young guys have come up from. Mm, he's he's got quite he's got a lot of experience well reasonably more than a lot of the NHL coaches I suppose that are out there he's not kind of at the top level is he but he's certainly kind of perused through a few different teams on his way as a as a coach mm. and um, I think I think yeah. he's a good coach for the young guys I think he keeps them in check as well as obviously the experience in the room with Chara and Bergeron and people like that um Bacchus as well I think they can go to him if they need to but also he keeps them in check when they need to be told yeah Let's talk goalies then. Um, Tuka Rask on Saturday night um, took a, a deep hit, didn't he? And went off the ice with concussion, uh, 90 seconds left to go in the first period. And it's been a bit of a strange season for Rask as well, hasn't it? Because there was almost that playoff between him and Halak over who was going to get number one goalie spot. Um, and Rask had only really just recently proved himself to kind of be seen as that number one again. Um, and I mean, if we just talk about the the actual incident itself, I played Joel on the clip earlier before we started recording. Mm. Um, and when you watch it from so many different angles, uh, it, it, I mean, it doesn't look any better. It, it's pretty yeah. horrific. And I said, if that was happening to Freddie Anderson as a Leafs fan, I, my heart would be in my mouth and I'd be crying. Um, yeah. but... However, I do. I I also think it's it's not that it was an unavoidable hit because the player is going in so quickly and doesn't really make a huge kind of effort to to get out of the way of the goaltender. However, and this is not just a criticism of Charlie McAvoy. This happened. I see this so many times in the NHL. Defenders need to stop pushing players into their goalies. Like it doesn't happen to that extreme so much, but you see it so many times when there's a kind of a mad fight in and around the blue paint and you'll see a defender give a guy a massive cross check to the back or shove the guy down and send them straight into the goaltender. And it just baffles me why defensemen are told to do it. I get they've got to be physical and I get that 
if they're being physical and the other player might not be expecting it or isn't braced, then they might just fall and those things happen. But surely, and it'd be interesting, Ross, I'd, you're, you know, you're a fan of obviously Boston, so you're going to, I would imagine, much like I would, side with Tuka Rask and the Bruins on this one. But I, I can't see that. That didn't look to me a dirty play. That looked to me an unfortunate play that wasn't helped by a defender who, who you know, certainly helped him on his way. Yeah, I think it, I'd love to be a homer and sit and say it was dirty hit. He needed the needed questions afterwards, but yeah. I don't think that's the case. I think it's almost like the perfect storm. He was travelling so yeah. fast, gets a little clip from McAvoy, um, and barrel rolls into the Rask. Um, it's quite scary. I was saying earlier that Rask's had previous concussions, so I don't know. It, it's scary. He was only just starting to get back on his game. He's had a Torrid season, really. He st- he started as the starter, and then he took a leave of absence from the team for I think maybe four or five days. Um, and then when he came back, Halak seemed to start maybe four. I think it was four consecutive games, and then he was a starter for a little bit. And then obviously, the last maybe five or six games, Ras really come into it. Um, so it's a shame it happened when it did. But again, I, I don't think it it was a dirty play. Um, <laughs> At the end of the day, the ice in front of the goal is there to be fought for. Yeah, I just think that it was a perfect storm. If it was Chara, maybe we'd have tied him up a bit more. Um, but it's just one of them. I think it's just a hockey play, as they say. Are you worried that he's out at the moment? I mean, I know you've got this bye week and there's all-star weekend as well. So that buys a bit of time. But if, if you don't have Rask for a, for a little while, is that a big concern? For you, where you are right now, teetering around that safe, safe spot. Yeah, I think if we were a bit had a few more points in us and we were scoring five on five, it might not be a, such a bad thing in the hockey terms if he, he wasn't to come straight back. But I think we really need a strong push to the end of the season, and he's integral to that. Really, you guys have, are in that wonderful position though of having you know Halak, who okay is is arguably the backup goaltender, but is. You know, has been pushing for that starter position, and how many teams are struggling to have a single goaltender? But to have two proven mm. NHL quality goaltenders must just make situations like this seem so much more bearable. Oh yeah, it could, don't get me wrong; it could be a lot, a lot worse. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I think we don't play again until the 29th, um, so mm. a little while yet. But um, if we don't hear anything by Seven, I think the protocol is seven days. If we don't hear anything after that, then yeah, I'll be uh, starting to get a bit worried. One of the other stats that um, surprised me um, when I was watching, I know what it was, the, uh, the start of Saturday's game for you guys, um, New York Rangers, Boston's meetup. It was the first time Adam McQuaid had been back in TD Garden and they played the tribute to Adam McQuaid, didn't they? With a compilation of some of his fights and stuff. (laughs) And ironically, later on in that game, Adam McQuaid ended up fighting a Bruins player. Um, Wasn't one that played in your team last year. So not quite the kind of friend beats up friends kind of thing. Chris Wagner, wasn't it? But they they were talking. uh, I watched that fight just to see what it was like and it wasn't really it was all right it's just you know a little scuffle I suppose. yeah i think wagner might have seen the light there <laughs> yeah but what it was in the commentary that i picked out was how um boston are third in the league at the moment for fighting majors mm-hmm. um and new york rangers are second and then ottawa are first well, ottawa you know. yeah 
Yeah, well, you know, when I mean, things got... are going bad, you've got to scrap, haven't you? And show you're doing something. You've got to sell tickets somehow, Jolon. But wow. third fighting mate in the league for fighting majors. And it's interesting that you pointed out earlier that week that that history that we associate more with the Bruins and the Flyers of mm. being like quite brutal goon punches, um, that they're still still part of the game, mm. obviously, because you, you're doing okay and you're third in the league for fighting majors. Does that surprise you? Um, a little bit, uh, especially with some of the younger lads that have come up into the team. Um, a lot of them are standing up for each other. Um, I think a lot of the Bruins writers are saying at the minute, again, because McQuaid's gone, it feels like everyone's having to pull the weight a little bit more. Um, whereas when McQuaid was on the ice, it was quite a pleasure that no one was going to take liberties with anyone, really. Um, but yeah, I think there's no one really that's an out-and-out. Uh, Kevin Miller's quite renowned for it um but i think it just seems to be a lot of things where maybe they're questioning some of the hits on the ice and i think they're just trying to show a bit of team mentality and we'll look after each other we're all young that kind of thing new it is a new way of playing for the Bruins. it's only the second season they've been playing this kind of hockey yeah. um even though the fighting still followed them from the other style um but Still got Brad Marchand though, haven't you? I mean, oh, you know, know. <laughs> I knew that you were going to say that. I was going to say, we cannot not talk to a Bruins fan without mentioning Brad Marchand and the licking incidents. I mean, this guy, I actually, I was trying to look for a decent quality image on as painful as it was yeah. of Brad Marchand licking Leo Komarov um, whenever it was. <laughs> what, was it last your, year? what are you doing in your spare time, Claire? It's, it was twice, yeah, last season. The reason that I wanted to, because I wanted to make it the picture for this what? episode, um, because I felt that was highly appropriate, but you couldn't find one that's good enough quality. I'm going to keep looking though, because okay. I do think, I mean, it, it actually, it was, it, I can't imagine another circumstance where the management get a call from the NHL saying, um, could you please tell Brad to stop licking people? I don't <laughs> think they even, that? I bet they didn't even say who it was. I bet they didn't even need to say which no. player it was. Well, but... obviously, it was a bit of a risk, wasn't it? Because he came out saying, oh, it's because he's cute. And they were worried about that could be perceived as homophobic. And um, some of the <sighs> ways that he was, his intentions of it. it I don't think he came out and said it wasn't. But... No, it was, it was just Brad Marchand being Brad Marchand. And yeah, he definitely. tried everything else against Leo Komarov. So he thought he'd go the other way. Now, my, I, I mean, I hate, and I don't, you know, not as a human being, but we're purely talking about hockey here. I hate Brad Marchand, and whenever I see him on the rink, I I can't wait for him to get you know pushed up against the boards. <laughs> like that is, but I'm a Leafs fan, and that's how it should be. Nazim Kadri, I know, you know, yeah. flipping it the other way around, Boston fans hate him, and he has that same thing. And I love everything that he does. Explain to me, Brad Marchand from a Boston fan's point of view? Oh, I love him. I adore him. I think he's... <laughs> for what he brings to the game, he, he, especially for the youngest, not necessarily the licking and things like that, but when you see him play on the ice, he's, he's just a pest. Whether he's chirping or he's just sticking the stick in, trying to make a check on the puck, or he, pest is the only word to describe him. It is. Yeah. Um, but again, look at last season. He, he was ridiculous in scoring. Um, give him a chance and you'd probably bury it. And that's um, the thing, like, like Tom Wilson at Washington, I mean, he's not, he's not got the same physicality that Tom Wilson has, but he has a very aggressive game in his own way. But he backs it up with skill. And that mm. is what, 
that is what seemingly the 2019 NHL teams are desperately looking for who don't have a Brad Marchand, who don't have a Tom Wilson. They're looking for people who can get into opponents' heads, who can possibly hit them hard and can mess up their rhythm. But at the same time, they're playing top-line minutes. I mean, that Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand line is terrifying. And even I can't help but appreciate how good a hockey player he is. But as an opponent, you hate him because of how much of a disruptor he is to your team. Yeah, uh, I think... He makes you want to watch the game, whether you're in a slump or you're winning a lot. He, if, he's, if you know he's playing, there's always more going on than just the game. Um, but he is a game changer as well. His points this season, I think he's got 53 points this season. Um, I'm only just over halfway. Um, so he, again, if we're going to put a run together this season, it's integral, especially on the top line. Um, the only thing is, that he, this season he hasn't done it, um, but the last couple of seasons he seems to take a little to par occasionally and he'll end up with a suspension for something nonsense really where you think come on we didn't need that at this time of the season especially with the injuries last season I think um, I can't remember what it was but some of the season we really needed to push on and we had some uh, um, divisional games and that and he was out for I think it was two games Um, but I think they had I think Chara and Bergeron have both said to him you're going to have to start playing as an older member of the team now Especially yeah, with the young, young lads. There's a time and a place for it, isn't there? And sometimes yeah. you do just need those players to knuckle down. But uh, just one more, really, on the on the Bruins before we move on to talk about some of the other kind of general NHL stuff. And I've thought long and hard whether to ask you this question because I'm not sure whether I can quite bear the answer to it. But I've <laughs> gone there with the Brad Marchand question, so I'm now feeling brave. Take me through, as a Bruins fan, the playoffs first round against the Leafs last year. Take me through from game one, kind of in about, in a minute, take me through from game one right through to game seven. Um, it was a, the fact I'd been out there in the, the wins, well, then during the season, I was really looking forward to it. Um, obviously, it's always going to be a great series against us, uh, against you guys, sorry. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, <laughs> It's it's just one of them. When you're in the playoffs, it's one thing, but when you're playing one of your rivals, it, it, it's even better. Um, I'm just trying to think. It was, I can't remember when the Cardinals incident was. Was that the first game? I think that was um, in the second. I think. Um, yeah, that seemed to really be the catalyst as such. But it was um, strange, wasn't it? Because when we think back to it, certainly from a Leafs point of view, we think about it as you absolutely destroyed us. We got beaten again by Boston, but actually. The first two games, we were awful and you guys absolutely ran away with it. And it looked at that point like this was going to be a, a sweep. But actually, for if you look at it on paper, and even to a certain extent, if you watched the game as a neutral, it was actually so close, that series. So yeah, I, th- I think there was times in each game where it could have swung one way or the other easily. Um, I think a lot of Bruins fans are not necessarily worried, but obviously because we had... Um, J.D. Bruce, McAvoy, uh, Carla got injured just before the playoffs. But we had a lot of young guys in the inaugural season. And I think it was more of a, right, we've got there now. Let's build on this. But also the fact we're thinking, these guys are young. It's going to be a hard old series. Um, at times, it's almost unbearable to watch because you know how the next goal is going to be so big in, that, in the game uh, and in the series as well. 
Um, unbearable to watch. It's not, not half as unbearable as to watch. <laughs> I think it's basically like you're watching 2013 playoff series in repeat. But yeah, I mean, it, it, but, and then, so let's fast forward now to this year because there could well be another first round meeting between these two teams unless the Leafs continue on their current form or Montreal carry on going. But a first round, what do you think it looks like one year on? Do you guys relish the fact that you guys could be facing the Leafs again? Or do you think, mm, I don't know if we want to do this again? Well, if I could pick, I definitely wouldn't want to play you. Um, really? Uh, yeah, I think you've got to win sometime, no? <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, ouch. Ouch. No. Um, no, but seriously, do you? because from Leafs' point of view, I can't speak from the whole of Leafs' nation, but I know a lot of Leafs fans who just are dreading facing Boston for the reason of we've seen this play and we've seen this film, we've seen this series, we've read this book. I hate every single ending of every single one. But from a Bruins point of view, what do you feel about that matchup? Um, again, like looking back to last season, from my point of view, it was at times you're thinking, oh, it's so close. Even the way it went, I think it would be closer this time. And that's what not necessarily worries me. It would be a great spectacle and as <laughs> a neutral, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think... <laughs> Yeah, you look at the games of season as well. It, it, apart from one, I think there, there wasn't a lot in that one, but the rest of them have all been hard fought. Yeah, they've been um, excited. I've got an idea actually. I think um, what we would need to do if uh, if we have a, a playoff series together, yeah. yeah, I think that both me and Jolon would have to record ourselves watching. The, the game <laughs> and then you'd have to record yourself watching the game Ross and then we would compare goal for goal what happens at each of our opposite ends of reaction sure. yeah that'd be incredible that would be like let's hear that you know like how you can listen to different commentary yeah. on NHL Game Centre yeah. you can listen to it from a home or away fan we're like let's just hear what the commentary sounded like on the away side yeah no I like that <laughs> and also I can't believe I've forgotten to mention this earlier um, my theory about the Leafs' current slump. So we're going to talk about what happens if your team's in a slump and how you can cope with that as a fan and any advice, NHL fans from afar, to let me know because I could really do with some help getting through. <laughs> but I've got a, a wild theory. And while as a Bruins fan on, this is the right thing to do. So Toronto, go to Tampa, the best team in the NHL, 16 points clear ahead in the Eastern Conference, and Toronto beat them. They play incredible. They play tooth and nail. They fight right to the bitter end, and they win that game. They then play one of the worst teams in the NHL who are on terrible form in the Florida Panthers, in the skies of Florida Panthers. And of course, what do they do? They lose and play one of the worst games I've seen the Toronto Maple Leafs play this year. They then go on to play the Arizona Coyotes on Sunday night. Come on, rebound off the back of that horrible performance. They put in a meh performance with some key players really not showing up. My theory is, right, Kyle Dubas, clever man, this guy, he has worked out. You go into Tampa, you beat Tampa, you show them how good you are. But what's the one thing you don't want? round one against the Boston Bruins. So what are we going to do? We're going to tank for the wild card. That's what we're doing, guys. No worries. He sent us the message. He said, look, you can beat Tampa. Now we're tanking for the wild card. All right? We did it for Austin Matthews. We're going to do it for a wild card. Then we're going to win the Stanley Cup without even playing the Boston Bruins. Yeah? That would be a dream. Come on. Tell me it's not a good theory. Also terrifying for the next 
two months of our lives of <laughs> crap what if we don't make it it could be like two games that we lose and boom we're out the wild card i i gave that theory to a at least friend of mine and said how what do you think and he said uh three words to me back which instantly made me regret everything can you repeat it. it no it was new york islanders uh-huh. and i was like well, you know what? Actually, I don't want them either. Like, I think I'll take Boston over New York Islanders because at least it's just the thing we do losing to Boston. But to lose to the New York Islanders, I couldn't do that to John Tavares. He well, doesn't deserve imagine that. those texts between Kyle Dubis and Lou Lamorello. Matt Martin coming in, Leo Komarov giving Kadri a lick. Oh, man, you can just imagine it all. Anyway, talking of slumps. So, The Ross, question is... Yeah, go on, Claire. Should you be worried... If your team is in a slump right now. So to give context to it, the Penguins had a horrible slump at the beginning of the season. People started to question whether they were even going to get into the playoffs. Uh, Washington are on a little bit of a mini slump. Toronto are on a... Yeah, they're, not, they're struggling they at the have moment. A, they had a, a, a players-only meeting the other day after That's that Chicago good, game. And uh, Ovechkin apparently said, time for a little talk. But what do you think? What do you think, Ross? I mean teams just go on slumps it's a very long season you can't stay at the top for the whole season unless your name is Tampa Bay yeah but talking to Tampa Bay I don't know it is a great thing to keep winning but if they are going to have a slump is that not coming soon yeah and, we get and also yeah what happens if you get to the playoffs and then you have yeah. a slump? well and this is the theory of some of the stuff that I was listening to the guys on Hockey Central at noon were talking the other day how um, that that's the key thing. If you're going to hit this kind of downward spiral for a bit, um, then do you surely want to do it right now, just before the all-star break, just before you get a, your players have got time to chill. You don't want to be doing it when you're getting closer and closer to the end of the regular season. And you certainly don't want to be doing it if you make it to the playoffs in the first place. So of all the times to do it, maybe the beginning of January is the time where you mix things up. For me, what I worry about, and it's interesting, uh, Ross, whether you've ever found this with the Bruins, uh, but what I really... I'm feeling uneasy about as a Leafs fan right now is all of the same stories and narratives and opinions are coming out about Austin Matthews isn't happy. He's not getting enough ice time. Him and Bagcock don't get on. He should be captain. Why doesn't he play with Mitch Marner? William Nylander's still rubbish. Like all of these things and Jake Gardner and he's booing every time he dons a Leaf sweater. Like all of these, these things, these storylines, these narratives come out and the worse it gets, and I would say this is probably the lowest that we've been this season. And if this, even if this just goes for another couple of games, you just hope this doesn't cause any damage because those players obviously read what's going on. They know what's happening. And it was interesting that, and I don't know what he said today because we're recording it just before he talked, but Carl Dubas has had a press conference today. And I wonder whether it's just to clear the air on a couple of things. But for the Bruins, does that pressure heap on them because I can imagine it does because Boston's a passionate city when it comes to sports oh, just a bit yeah um, I think the pressure is there I think yeah the it depends what your slump is if your slump's caused by injuries that's one thing because that's not necessarily because you're playing bad it might be that everyone's just a bit tired because they're playing better, bigger minutes for their position um, but if you are on a bit of a slump and there's again Toronto with the media it's always yeah. renowned for that I think that's something's got to give, but it just depends what and who, maybe. I don't know whether well, it was someone to drag them by the their scruff of the neck and start, come on, boys, we need to 
get it going. I don't know. Um, now, Ross, Ross, I don't, you obviously can't see this because you're not in the same room as us, but Claire just grabbed her phone then and has made a like excited face or worried face <laughs> or something's happened face. I, thought, and I, I actually don't know what it is. Well, this is terrifying I've me. I've typed Carl just... Dubas into Twitter oh, to no. see what happened he's, at that press conference. It was an hour up. ago. Has he? This is what Chris Johnston has said. Oh, God, my heart. <laughs> don't know whether I can take this. Not live. Live reaction. God, we're not live. Carl Dubas says the Leafs have made progress on an extension for Austin Matthews. Oh. Ideally, he'd like to get it done ASAP for long-term clarity before trade deadline. Yeah. Adds they aren't negotiating with Mitch Marner at the request of Marner's agent, Darren Ferris. Oh, that was nothing like as bad as I thought it was going to be. Now, isn't that interesting? Are you just saying that a lot of the hype that's going on here? Austin Matthews isn't happy. He's not getting enough ice time, blah, blah, blah. I He's just, 41st in the league. I just, you know what? I just think it's all, it's all just a bit of hoo-ha. As when the teams uh, like Leafs are losing, the amount of media reporters that go to the scrums of these things, they've got to get a story out. So they hook on whatever they can. But just like a good Disney film... Mm-hmm. right you've got to have a bit where it all goes wrong <laughs> and then they build it back up because in I years and years to come yeah if we win the stanley cup this year you've got to have but remember <clears throat> when it almost didn't happen Sorry, ross just nearly choked them and said that like. um that's very true and i i do accept that but i i do worry about the austin matthews narrative i worry more about the austin matthews one than the Nylander one actually because i think it's quite clear what Nylander needs to do he just needs to sort himself out but um, Austin Matthews, they signing him, and it's interesting that Carl Dubas has come out and said that today because there's no need for him to do it. But he obviously feels like you know they need a little bit of a boost, and to sign Matthews to what presumably will be an eight-year deal will just give those Leafs fans something to at least think this guy is definitely sticking around even though we all know he probably is going well to. interestingly as well you know we talked about that kind of media hype and last week's episode we talked about how some uh, a small corner of fans were booing jake gardner every time he had the puck and uh, one of the other things that dubas has said in this presser um he's spoken out supporting jake gardner which is interesting he said it'd be nice if fans and media recognized how jake gardner helped turn the leafs around uh, when he tries to be creative and you make skill plays from time to time, they're not going to go your way. But with Jake, the positives far, far outride the times when it doesn't go right. And that's fine. I, I get that. and It makes sense. But I just don't understand why, you know, Matthews made a horrible play the other week and Marner made another horrible play the other week. And you hear people go, oh, well, why are the fans booing Marner? Because Marner <laughs> has had an incredible season and done world unworldly things you can't even imagine like your hockey brain can't even think what Marner's doing and he scored so many goals and got so many assists of course he's going to mistake the problem with Jake Gardner is that he makes such high profile mistakes I can hear Ross laughing because Ross is never going to boo Jake Gardner because he's his biggest fan and he's a Boston (laughs) fan and that is the problem with Jake Gardner I want nothing more than Gardner to turn it around and do well because my days we need a defense at the moment and Jake Gardner could be the answer to it but I just think that you can't all the good things he does I'm sure and I'm sure booing isn't the right thing to do but at the same time he needs to stop making those silly 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 well the the other thing that I just want to throw into this mix here as we're talking about 
these slumps because a lot of it is about perception, isn't it? You know, yeah. when they talk about yeah. PMA, positive mental attitude, a, a really cool tweet that I, I read yesterday, um, which made me smile and think of it from a different perspective. Um, it's from Steve Simmons and just says, NHL standings, Lou Lamorello's Islanders with 62 points, Carl Dubas's Maple Leafs, 60 points, celebration for one team, crisis for the other and all that is in it is two points and it does make you think doesn't it about this perception and how much pressure is on a city like toronto to mm. kind of because i guess that there's the gap that tamper on 76 points or yeah whatever they are on today i'm not quite sure that 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 everybody's kind of using that as the baseline of the comparison but when you put it like that yeah, that's absolutely, it's true, isn't it? It's two points, one team celebrating, the other one, it's the end of the world. Yeah, but no, that, that is no more apparent than if you look at someone like Edmonton, who are currently burning themselves up from inside out, and yet they're only three points out. Well, the let, let's talk about that, because that was a subject that you brought to the yeah. table. Tell us more, what was the question you were saying? What the hell's happening? <laughs> so what, what is going on in Edmonton? Because... Every time I look on Twitter, there's a new story of Edmonton fans going, what is going on? So I thought I would just tweet Tom Parker, who was our Edmonton fan who we had on the podcast. I think he was on like the second podcast we ever did. Um, and I just asked him the question, what is going on at Edmonton? Question mark. He first of all responded with a gif, which is obviously quite difficult on a podcast, is it an audio difficult? podcast. <laughs> it, is, it is difficult that for me to explain. Terrible, Very wasn't it? Claire. Uh, anyway, moving swiftly on. There's <laughs> of just a little guy in. You've seen this gif, I'm sure, sitting on a, a little stool next to a table with a cup of coffee, and surrounding him is just burning flames, <laughs> and he is just sitting there going, "Everything's going to be okay." Um, I then asked him, could he put that into words? Because that would work better in this audio format that we uh, we are on. Um, and he said, this is from Tom Parker, who's an Oilers fan. It's a shambles. Awful hockey. Best player in the world. Offered no support whatsoever. Shirelli, that's their GM, making mind-boggling uh, mind move after another. Having waived a player he recently traded for, he's ensured we have literally no return for Jordan Eberle, who was a player that they got rid of. Um, and that was after Ryan Spooner got sent down um, via waivers. Um, then capped it by giving an absurd contract to a bog average goalie. Summary, hashtag fire Peter Shirelli. Now, it is interesting, and given the context of that, they've put a couple of players on waivers because they're in a terrible cap crunch. In fact, they're over the cap um, at the moment, the top of the cap. And they've also just signed Miro Heskinen, not Miro Heskinen, God, they wish they could sign Miro Heskinen. Hoskinen, their goaltender, who's in his rookie year at the grand old age of, what, 30, was he? He is 30, yeah. And they've just signed him to a three-year contract. Um, and... <laughs> people are asking was a negotiation even attempted because it's four and a half mil four and a half million dollars a year for three years when they've already got a goaltender on similar amount of money in cam talbot who you would assume will be probably out of the oilers before this podcast even gets published um but Another couple of tweets. Edmonton just paid $13.5 million to a 30-year-old goalie who has a save percentage 0.004% higher than Garrett Sparks. When you can't think of it getting any worse, it just gets worse. And then Andrew Berkshire uh, 
tweeted, the Oilers suck and are still over the cap. Remember when McDavid decided to take a discount at last minute? Never shortchange yourself, assuming the people in charge will make good use of the money you saved them. How are you <laughs> feeling right now? If you're Connor McDavid, you've got a team that is over the cap limit. You look around and you go, really? This is the best you can do. Just joining up what we were talking before about Lou Lamorello and New York Islanders. Yeah. Uh, a tweet here that I've read from a chap called Darren just says, the Edmonton Oilers should have listened uh, to him and hired Lou when the Leafs let him go. Now the Islanders look like geniuses. Here's Chirelli giving a guy with 27 games experience, four and a half for three years. I'm wearing a hole in the wall from banging my head against it. I just, you know what? <laughs> I have had a tough week or a tough couple of weeks as a Leafs fan but I cannot even imagine what it must like must be like being an Oilers fan right now. Ross, Peter Shrelly was your GM in Boston. Yeah, what? he was. <laughs> and and am I right in saying successful GM in Boston? Um, he won the cup. Well, he was there when we won the cup, yeah. So what? try and shed some light for me. What, could you see this happening? Were you? Uh, do you feel like you dodged a bullet? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Spooner, Ryan Spooner was at the Bruins as well. He was part of the Rick Nash trade last season. Um, and he was a starter for the Bruins. So I don't know <laughs> what's gone on there. Um, no. But yeah, he he seemed to be all right at the Bruins. He got a lot of sticking before he went. Um, but yeah, I certainly don't miss him. <laughs> no, it just seems a bizarre thing that the Oilers are doing. I mean, they've got some crazy contracts and they seem to be, all they seem to be doing is, is, is adding more of them. And I just don't understand. I mean, the standings aren't that bad. You're, they're three points out of a wildcard spot. But for the amount of panic and worry, I think that, you know, and it must be, it's a ticking time bomb, isn't it? You've got Connor McDavid, the best player in the world. And that time is slipping away and he is in his peak. And I mean, Tom said on a tweet, not to us, but he just tweeted out saying he wouldn't, blame Connor mcdavid for putting in a trade re request because in his words this is they're wasting or he is wasting his career at the oilers and to get a fan of that team to say something like that i can't imagine what it would take for me to say that about austin matthews just makes me think of how just peed off those oilers fans are at what is happening to their team right now it was Shirelli signed uh, Lucic when he got up there from the Bruin. Well, Lucic was a Bruin. He, he was a decent player for his, but his, his contract's ridiculous up there as well, if I remember right. And yeah. I think he's tied up for a, another four or five seasons. He's on like, big, he's on something. I, can't I think it's six name. million, something it like is, that. isn't it? And he, he'd something like, only, until recently when he went on like a two-game goal, uh, goal streak, he'd something like only scored one goal in North America or one, uh, or he hadn't <laughs> scored a goal in North America since being a, an oiler. But, yeah, just real tough times for the Oilers. And yet, Conor McDavid, will he be the one that drags them kicking and screaming into the playoffs? And you can't help but think, if the Oilers make the playoffs this season, he has got to be the MVP for the NHL this year because he has carried that entire team on his back. And boy, that guy can skate quickly and with the team on his back. And for a long time. Yeah. A lot of ice time. He's got, no, he's got no help around him. Teams worry about secondary scoring. The Oilers worry about a second player scoring, <laughs> let alone McDavid. <laughs> and I just think it's a tough time in the Oilers nation right now. Well, we also asked his age just a number, and we were relating to this uh, Koskinen contract at 30 being taken on 
uh, by Edmonton Oilers. And, and whilst it's fair to say he has been floating around the AHL, Team Finland, um, and ECHL, I think actually in 2011 he did do four games. <laughs> and would you believe who it's for? The New York Islanders. Really? Yes. Um, <laughs> New York Islanders, he did four games. So it's, his, it's kind of his first start, his first contract with the NHL. But it did kind of make me, uh, it, pl- it, it plucked up my ears to kind of think, oh, I wonder what is the oldest person to have ever done their rookie year in the NHL? And Joe Long's like falling asleep at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's back in 1969. Um, uh, 34 years old, uh, Barlow, I don't know his first name, of the Minnesota North Stars uh, made his debut, but it would, that record was broken uh, four years later. So then it, it's Connie Madigan, who is 38 years old, is the oldest rookie to play a game in NHL history. Mm. Who'd have thought it? Early 70s. Wow. Anyway. That's great looking back that far in history, isn't it? <laughs> Somewhere in there, you find at least Stanley Cup win. Well, all, you know... Talking about the age, just a number. 41 years old, Chara is. And we know that there are other people who are 39. Robert Luongo's one. Yeah. Uh, Marlowe. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's like 58. Joe Thornton. Yeah. You know, these, these are guys that are stalwarts in the NHL. So it kind of just make you think, if you could stay fit, stay healthy and keep playing, why, why not play, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that is very true. Um, you know, this is just a quick shout out, really. Um, can you remember the, the whole Dallas story with the, the effing horse poo comments that um, the owner or the, sorry, the CEO or whatever he was, chief exec of the Dallas Stars talked about his stars, uh, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Well, I just think it's, it's a really interesting story, the Dallas Stars this year. We don't have time to go into it in the pod this week, but Sean Shapiro is uh, the writer, the Dallas beat reporter for The Athletic. He's worth a follow on Twitter. Obviously, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you'll get all of his stuff. But if you go to his Twitter profile and just follow him, that's a really interesting hockey story. And if you're interested in kind of the behind the scenes of hockey and how a team is going through a little bit of a crisis but performing okay on the ice, Sean Shapiro on Twitter is a great follow in just seeing how those Dallas stars have done since all of that media frenzy happened those few weeks ago. And obviously everything's gone a bit more quiet now, but worth following him and looking into that. If you have a bit of time. Mm. Now, the other thing that we uh, have brought into the podcast is a new feature called man crush of the week. Oh yes. Many years ago, I used to do another podcast called the forecast when I uh, used to follow Manchester storm of the elite league. And uh, I can't find the jingle. I'm going to have to find it because <laughs> it's me singing with my ukulele. Oh wow. God, so yes, that will be really a beautiful thing when I bring that. But the idea is that you, us, all of us pick a man crush who we are thinking as cool it doesn't have to be someone from your team it just has to be somebody who has jumped out with you with a quirky story um ross i know that you have one tell us who is your man crush of the week um mine this week is anthony roussel okay who and why um he's a vancouver player um yeah he was playing against the red wings the other night um he goes one-on-one with the keeper and fans on the shot only to receive quite a few chirps from the Red Wings defence. Um, and then from the resulting face-off, he scores and returns the chirps. I just thought it was uh, quite calmer and I quite enjoyed watching it. 
Jolon, go on. Who have you got? Well, it's been a, a really, a really tough week for me to pick anything vaguely positive and, and let alone a crush. You have to choose it for your team. You're so anyone. selfish. Um, well, yeah, it's just given me a negative view on hockey as a whole, really. And <laughs> okay, I've, yeah. I've just enjoyed not following it as much because of it, um, which is not the adult thing to do. But anyway, um, so I'm going to give mine to an inanimate object this week. Uh, which is to my my crush of the week goes to the microphone on the inside of the arena in Tampa that uh, helped the Leafs puck, which was cleared from their own end around the glass, hit the microphone, caught all the Tampa Bay players off guard thinking, well, they thought it hit the Leafs bench, so play would be called dead. Zach Hyman, bless his little cotton socks, carried on playing. The puck fell into his lap. He had an empty net. He made it 4-2, and that was after about four minutes of constant pressure from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Without that microphone, I might have given up hockey if we'd have lost to Tampa as well as the run we'd just been on. So my man crush of the week is the microphone in the Tampa Bay arena. So, God, said the studio manager. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's my day job. Yeah, man crush on a microphone. <laughs> microphone crush of the week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine, I said, was related to Boston Bruins. And um, I don't know whether you, if I say this name, Ross, whether you'll know who I'm talking about, Andrew Raycroft. I do indeed, yes. Yeah, so it is the emergency goalie, as in not Stephen Edwards, our emergency goalie, when me or Jolan aren't here, we bring him in as our, as our co-host. Uh, Andrew Raycroft um, is on the list of the crap Something's got wrong. We need him in, whatever they call that list, uh, for Boston Bruins. And he was on Saturday night at home watching no. the game. He was at home watching the game. And at the 90 seconds left of the first period, took a rask, took this hit, um, collapsed there. And basically, it's a, there's a great article which tells the story of how this all happened on The Athletic. Um, but one of the staffers had to go and get an Uber, go straight to Andrew Raycroft's house. No way. And get him to get his kit, which was in the basement. And it was brand new kit. So he hadn't actually even put it on and tried it all out or anything. Get in the Uber and go straight to TD Garden and then had to wait and sat there. He, he basically said how he was bricking it for the entire second period thinking, Oh my God, I've only played four games since I retired. No, um, I did not know that was Andrew Raycroft they called. Absolutely. And so <laughs> he, he was there all worried. Halak obviously carried on. No need for him to kind of go and play. But I didn't, it made me kind of go and do a bit of digging about who Andrew Raycroft is and the process yeah. that you go through to be allowed to be an emergency goalie is fascinating because I know we've talked about that in this podcast, but he'd been out and played in Italy. But more importantly, when he was traded um, to the Leafs, mm. guess who was traded in exchange for? To Karask. To Karask in yeah. 2006. So oh, to Karask yeah. was yeah. around one pick in 2005 for Toronto Maple Leafs. And the year later, he was uh, traded to Boston Bruins. And to Karask goes off with concussion. And who is the emergency goalie that they call? Andrew Raycroft. That is a blinder. And that is why... Well played, Claire. I have uh, picked him as my man yeah. crush of the week. No, so well played. That is... 
very well done. We would love more of your quirky little stories like that. They can be as geeky as you want, fascinating. They don't have to be all about point scorers and even people who played. It could just be fascinating None little stories. Give them a shout out. If there's a little board in some arena that's giving you your puck a hand and a dodgy goal has happened, then uh, yeah, we'll, we'll accept those as well. Let us know. Uh, the only other thing I was just going to mention was this this website. I've tweeted it on our Twitter page, right. nhlnames.com. Oh, if you yes. ever wonder how to pronounce certain surnames, then there's a whole website created. And it's, it's all in, in Eastern and Western Conference and all the names of all the different teams. You can click on the players that you might struggle how to pronounce. I mean, it's made for us on this. We've got no excuse ever again for mispronouncing I'm uh, quite happy with mispronouncing every now and again, considering one of the most respected hockey voices and person with probably one of the biggest audiences in the hockey world, Don Cherry, makes a weekly gaffe of somebody and sometimes doesn't even bother trying to pronounce their name. So I feel that we're okay with the odd one going amiss. But yeah, great little website and a great way of finding that kind of stuff out. Look, Ross, we always ask people what we think their predictions are going to be for the end of the season. Um, who do you think is going to win... Well, the give Stanley. us your Stanley Cup. Give yeah. us your Stanley Cup final. Um, oh, wow. One from the West and one from the East. Um, Tampa Bay. And, yeah. oh, it's a good one. Um, I'm going to go Nashville. I'm going to go Nashville. You know, currently, uh, Stephen Edwards, our emergency goalie, told me that Nashville are currently 29th in the league for the power play. Wow. So if you're going to play Nashville over the next few weeks, Make sure they take a penalty or no. No. You, if you take a penalty, take penalty don't matter. worry. No. Nothing's going to happen. Short, uh, shorthanded goal, unless you're against Boston. On the other hand, don't you dare give a penalty because they'll score on you immediately. I think Peter Laviolette, the coach of the Nashville Predators, got something like his 600th win or something recently, which was some milestone as a coach. I got he, him and John Tortorella. This is another one of my half-baked facts, which I actually don't know fully. But uh, Peter Laviolette is kind of a couple of wins away from uh, John Tortorella's record or something like that oh. in winning his coach. Or There's something that he's doing. But anyway, he's one of those coaches who doesn't really get talked about when he doesn't put a bull on his head in a, for a press conference. But most of the time, Nashville, not a massive hockey market outside of Nashville, just gets on with it and they have been a good team for a long time and yeah even with a misfiring power play those guys are still right up at the top mm. well Ross it's been a delight to talk to you um, thank you so much for joining us um, we uh, will kind of perhaps keep in contact with you over the next few months because I have a feeling that our two teams may uh, may see each other again yeah it'll be a cracking series uh, hopefully anyway I can honestly say, Ross, hand on heart, it's been a pleasure having you on and I hope you have a miserable rest of the season uh, <laughs> as a Bruins fan and uh, I can, can't hold back that sentiment enough, but it's been a pleasure chatting to you and uh, all the best for Notts County. I will be happy for whatever success they get and the Nottingham Panthers and every other team you support. Thank you very much. And if it makes you feel better, I've read that uh, Marner's on the uh, top line with um, Matthews in training this week. Yeah. They've finally bowed to all that public pressure. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Cheers, Ross. All right, take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. Well, that's another roundup uh, of our NHL Fans from Afar podcast. Don't nice forget. little breaking news in there. I the know. The little Kyle Dubas stuff. Did I was very that? impressed by yeah. that. 
Yeah, well, you had my heart going. I thought they'd sack Babcock. <laughs> it's nice when you get breaking news on recording the podcast, isn't it? Oh, man. Well, my heart was going when you were saying that. A weekend off of hockey so you can sleep in. Yeah. The All-Star Weekend is upon us and next weekend, uh, or next week, we'll be uh, speaking with uh, Rob McGregor of um, a podcast, One Puck Short. He's also a closet New York Islanders fan. So we'll get to talk Barry Trotz, Lula Morello, and kind of find out what's really working for them, what's happening behind the scenes. Are you going to watch the All-Star game? All the skills competition? I do. I hope so. I said before, I always use that as my uh, bedroom cleaning um, yeah. weekend, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be away. So uh, I can't okay. use it as a bedroom clean exercise. Um, I, I will. Yeah. I do enjoy it. I probably won't watch it live. No. I don't mind it. Yeah. I'm going to try. I pre- yeah. The skills competition is great. It's fun to see all the guys like, you know, relax and stuff like that. The actual game itself, although much better now, yeah. it's three on three. Um, will be interesting to see how you know you you end up supporting your players in them more than anything. You like you just want Matthews to score a yeah. little and and um, I think so I'll on. watch it from a different perspective this time because doing this podcast has been interesting in that I feel like I'm learning more about players mm. across the league rather than just my team, yeah. and that gives you a bigger perspective. So I I'm going to enjoy watching some of these guys come on the ice and it's a time just to kind of really see what talents they have and what skills they have and hey there's worse places to hold an all-star weekend isn't there San Jose if you're one of those people going oh my goodness can you call us can you tell us what on earth it's going to be like that would be brilliant I'd love to know if anyone's been to watch an all-star weekend would you go I would actually would you yeah Yeah, I did think about it I was thinking about it last year not going last year but thinking about whether I'd want to go and I was thinking, I think I would. Why, why would you pass up on an opportunity to see all of those players in one building? Doing all that t- skills and talent. Yeah. Anyway. We mentioned at the start that if you'd like to join our Slack group, then you need to send us an email so we can send you an invitation. Uh, drop us an email, nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com. We'll add you on there. And obviously, if you need to check anything with us, uh, we'll post uh, a few bits and pieces on Twitter as well. In the meantime... Enjoy happy, your weekend. Yeah, happy All-Star break, everyone. And enjoy the, the, the relaxing time when you don't have to worry about staying up late or following your team. And just enjoy some hockey that doesn't matter what the result is. Yeah.